Well, welcome to the show again. And I have, as always, fabulous, this time, two guests. I want to start, though, by telling you why this podcast is so important to me. As most of you know now in my fourth year, I've had a leadership development firm for 25-plus years. And I've worked with leaders all over the country in corporations, emerging leaders through C-suite. And I just found that the ones that lead the most effectively and are those that people want to follow come from the heart and are totally who they are, authentic leaders. So when I had an opportunity to have a podcast, I said, you bet, I will just expand my, my passion and my mission to develop authentic leaders. And now you're able to see people like the people that I have on the show. So let me tell you about them. You know, as we have watched the terror of war in Ukraine, uh, my guests today have stories from their family immigrating to America with nothing but future focus, and a lot of faith. They fleed from Russia in the late 19th century. And as in her book, which is right here, we're going to talk about this in just a moment, she says, endurance, quote unquote, endurance isn't about what you get through, it's how you get through it. Isn't that the truth? Well, at 90 years old and blind now of just a few years, Lorraine Snyder Henley can quote the same. As a first generation of Russian immigrant parents, her book, Miracles on My Doorstep, written alongside her daughter, Linda Kay, is a legacy of lessons from this courageous mother of nine children, which in itself is a challenge. So stay tuned. Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Okay, I want to welcome... Lorraine and Linda to the show from, is it sunny California today? It is very sunny California and thank you for having us. Thank you. You are, you are just going to be a delight and such a uh, inspiration to my listeners today. Linda, I want to start with you. I would just like you to introduce your multi-talented mother, Lorraine, and tell us how this book came to be written by you two. Great. Um, I'm delighted. Thank you so much. Um, a few, uh, maybe about a year and a half ago, I said to mom, you know, mom, you're kind of getting up there in years. She goes, you think? <laughs> it might be time for you to capture your legacy in a book and she goes no that'd take too long and I said no I promise we can do it in 30 days <laughs> and wow. so well over a year later um I was able to publish and this is self-published on Amazon but the um uh, the story the book literally wrote itself and when I say it wrote it wrote itself she had to recall stories and, you know, mom's blind. So she had to recall history. She had to recall episodes. She had to recall, you know, things that happened. And 
I think that part of, you know, the aging process uh, is, you know, forgetfulness. Not in her case. She had no forgetfulness. I mean, in, in fact, as we talked about things, she recalled and, and remembered more things than I could have ever imagined. So I designed the book to be consumed um, as if you were in a doctor's office in the waiting room. Remember those? And and so I only wrote a chapter at a time. I would call her up and interview her in the morning. And she had, you know, maybe about a two hour window where she would really kind of pay attention to me because I was doing, you know, I was researching things and then talking to her and, and, you know, have to nudge her every once in a while. But she literally remembered so many things and, um, I would finish a chapter and I would just put it, you know, file it. And it really wasn't until I started compiling the book that it was well over 300 pages. And I go, oh, my goodness, how did that happen? Because we just had lots and lots of stories. And um, what a delight and a challenge at the same time, because mm-hmm. I didn't know how to start it and I didn't know how to end it. But starting it seemed like a good place to start, which was our origin into this country. And the subtitle literally born itself out of that because immigrating to America um, was was paramount to obviously us living the kind of life that we have in the freedom that we enjoy in America. And if it hadn't been for my great grandparents, her grandparents and father coming to America, um, we would still be in the harsh uh, reality um, after generations in Ukraine. And they left for the reason that many people are le- leaving today. It was that oppressive. It was the beginning of Stalinism, which became communism. And there, if you weren't a believer in what, what that message was, you were run over, killed. And so, you know, after the years of pogroms, they were near, they were just outside of Kiev in an area close to Boyarka. And uh, uh, if we look back in history, we can see that there were a number of pogroms and massacres. And the Harchenko family uh, had 14 children to begin with and came with nine. So we know that even though those stories will, would never be repeated because of the atrocities, that there were uh, things that they endured that clearly gave them the inclination that we have to, we're, if we stay, we're going to die. And if we don't try, we'll die. And we may die trying, but we're going. And they did. And you know. And, I'm sorry, Linda, I was just going to add to that what we talked about earlier, which is just um, the grit and the depth of values that we're seeing right now playing out again, which is um, needs a lot of prayer, and we know that. Lorraine, I want to go to you and tell you, I don't know if you can see all of the, you can, of course, the <laughs> tabs. I want you to picture this. The color that she saw. Yes, you bet. <clears throat> I love what Lorraine said in the book. I can see <laughs> more than ever, right, Lorraine? We're going to learn about that. I, I want to ask you specifically, I just, you know, not only did you raise nine children, but listen to this audience, in an 81-month period over a 13-year span, 
How did you do that and stay so beautiful? Thank you. That's easy. My kids, my children kept me young. Uh, I didn't need an exercise gym. I didn't need an exercise program. I got all the exercise I needed. And uh, <laughs> what can I say? I learned how to be a good cook. I mean, many things you learn to cook on the on the run. Whatever food was left, that's sometimes what you got. It was fun. It was all fun, but I do it again. Not today. <laughs> well, give us an example of your, um, I'll just say, a day in the life of Lorraine when you were raising all those kids. Where were you? And put us there, because that's what, that's what I want the audience to know about your book, I couldn't put it down. I stayed, <laughs> Lorraine, I did. I stayed with this book. I understand the average reading it through is about five and a half hours. Will I tell yeah. you that I was there five? I was. I had five and a half. And my husband said, "Is are you still reading? I said, well, yes, I am. And I'm taking notes and putting tabs and everything. <laughs> but just take well, us, you. you bet, take us back to those days. A typical day for me would be probably getting up around five, preparing my husband's lunch to get him off to work, and then getting the children out of bed, which sometimes could be challenging. No, never. Never. <laughs> and, of course, having only uh, the girls had to use the master bath, bath, and the boys all clamoring waiting their turn to use the bathroom. That was always fun to listen to. Um but they all had to come in and sit down for breakfast. They could not leave the house without sitting down, being part of the unit that we are, the family. Then the day would start, oh, I could hardly wait till they left. I could <laughs> breathe. And of course, I'd start cleaning up the house and cleaning up our kitchen and start preparing my meal uh, for the evening meal because the children always uh, ate out for, for lunches at school. And I would start preparing my evening meal um, to be put in the oven as soon as the oldest one got home uh, because I was running a piano studio at the time when I started to work at 3. I'd work from 3 to 5.30 and then start again at 6.30 to 9. That was a typical day. Laundry was done usually, oh, maybe 9 o'clock at night, sometimes 10, 11. No, when your when your servants came in. Ah, right. When my servants <laughs> <laughs> right. The hired help was not paid well. <laughs> what then? I can't imagine how much uh sleep you got, Lorraine. Were you able to sleep very much? Uh I think a typical night of sleep was between four and five hours. That was that was enough. Five hours was oversleeping. My gosh. <laughs> well, you know, it's hard to sleep that way because if you're sleeping with one eye open <laughs> and keeping one ear to the ground, you know, uh, it's a little little tough to sleep in a comfortable position like that. But she was keeping her eyes and her awareness open for us as we came in. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, what was it like then for you, Linda, as one of nine <laughs> well, I was special because there's only two girls, so um, that that was easy. 
Um, but, you know, there is a lot of other types of responsibilities that um, fell on my shoulders. So as my oldest brother left for school, um, the cooking uh, came to me um, and finishing off the meal. So if mom didn't have that meal prepared, I prepared it when I got home. And so as I got older, more of those responsibilities fell on my shoulders and right. working with the younger kids getting the laundry finished and doing those types of things. Um, and then on to my schoolwork. But um, one particular evening does come to mind. I don't think I have it in the book at all, but um, I will share with your listeners that, um, you know, because it was Easter time and I was a professional musician and I was going to play at the Easter sunrise service, which means I was going to have to get up at four o'clock. Why even go to bed? So my girlfriend and I, climbed out the window and, you know, to not be detected by this one who had a sense of radar. And I'm not kidding you. She had like a sixth sense. As soon as some, if we went out the door, she went to my room and she was sleeping in that bed waiting for me to come home. So as Martha and I climbed back through that window, we climbed on top of my mother. And I'll just tell you, there was a little bit of price to pay. Have the morning. <laughs> discipline, discipline, discipline. I had to laugh in the book, and then we're going to get to some pretty serious things that you shared. But um, when I lived in Detroit, I had three children under four, and I had a garden. I was so proud of having a garden because I was a city girl. <laughs> So at the end of the garden, of course, I pulled up everything, and I was so proud of all the stuff that came up, and I got one of those great big navy blue pots that had the white speckles on them, and I put, I made a stew like you've never tasted a stew, and I was so proud. Well, a neighbor came over, and I said, Audrey, look what I just did. And I showed her this big pot of stew, and without hesitation, she said, I do that every day with my nine kids. <laughs> oh, well, okay, thanks. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh. I, I kept the kids pretty busy, especially during vacation uh, time, and they were home. Um, I would create work. When, every summer, they have to dig up the log and turn it over. She's not kidding. She created work, Okay. <laughs> I found work that I found painting to do, repair work, and uh, we did it together. One year, we even stripped a piano, and beautiful grand piano. We had all the kids working on a sanding, and they kept them busy until vacation time. Yeah, we all took vacations together. We'd head off from Montana and a big camper and head off from Montana. One year, we went to Canada. We always took vacations with the kids. And of course, that was always interesting because uh, <clears throat> you had to have three sets of eyes to see which, where one went and another one went. And um, there was one occasion where we ended up in Montana. Um, I told my husband, the kids are all in. He said, have you checked? Yep, they're all in. They're all in the camper. <laughs> we got to Montana, to my in-law's house. My mother-in-law says, Where's the little one? And the little one was, I think, five. Well, he's out in the backyard chasing chickens. No, you didn't bring the little one in. We left one, be one child behind. That's awful. <laughs> and because it was a small town in Montana, they, um, they kept him at the sheriff's office. And they happened to know my in-laws. 
Of course, my little child, five years old, knew his address, knew his name. I'm going to see Grandpa, but they didn't wait for me. I wanted to catch a bird. So that was that was one little scary incident. But usually I keep pretty good tabs on them. Oh, my goodness. Well, so many stories, Lorraine, and thank you for sharing that. I want to get to a lot of this book was about your your journey through losses and uh, a lot of a lot of things that could take many people under. And here you are with a positive attitude that just keeps going on and on like the battery bunny. Um, you suffered the loss of two husbands and three children. And many with a faith at that point, I think, would maybe question, why God? Why me? How could this? What would you say to that? Well, I think it's dangerous to say, why me? <clears throat> uh, who would I pass that on to? Um, would I want my daughter to lose her husband? Would I want my sister to lose hers? Would I want my sister to lose her child? No, why not me? We all have times when we're going to go through a dark period of time. And for me, it was more of a gray period because I have a hope, and that hope is in Jesus Christ. And we know that the sad time is with the parting. And it was um, it was probably a time of growth for me when I lost my husband. Um, one night I had gone to bed and my husband was very, very ill. He had cancer of the kidney. And he was hurting and I lay down. It was about two in the morning. And it was like a voice, a voice spoke to me out loud. You have not thanked me. Mm. And I paused and I thought, oh my goodness, who said that? And again, that voice in my head said, you have not thanked me. I got up and I pulled out the Bible. And it says, in all things, give thanks. That doesn't mean just thanks for the good day. That means thank you where I stumbled and I broke my foot. That means all the things that have to you give God thanks. So I began to cry. And of course, that crying doesn't help because no one's going to look at you and pat your back. You have to get strong. Stay strong. Stay strong in the Lord. Uh, I sat down and wrote a song that's called Thank You, Jesus, for the tests and the trials here. And your great love will bring you through your fears and through my fears. And, and it goes on and on. And of course, that song was uh, uh, recorded later by a gospel group that I used to play for. And Linda was part of that uh, music group as well. She helped write that. So it, it's not hard to say thank you. The first time it is, she want me to say thank you. Mm. Thank you for taking my husband. <laughs> I, surely you must be wrong. No, and after the first time you say it, you realize, well, of course. So who would you pass this misery on to? If I had... I went blind, and when I went blind at 87, I couldn't pass that on to no one. I had to say, thank you, Lord, for the tests and the trial. But for me, it's been a blessing, because now I don't even have to wash dishes. I don't, <laughs> I don't have to sweep the floor. I have someone else do it. So in many ways, it's a blessing. All things work together for those that love the Lord. That doesn't mean that you didn't have a tough time with oh, those adjustments. 
you had plenty of tough times. Um, you know, the the fact that you have the losses that you had, you understand the depth of, of the love that you have for somebody, but they're never really gone from you because their spirit is always with you. Um, but there is that period of loss. There is that period that you mourn, you grieve, which is that, that wholesome promise of redemption that through all of this, I will get through this. It's not the right. what you're going through, it's how you get through how it. You get through it. Yeah. Well, that's one of the teachable points of view, Linda, that you shared with me. Learn to lean, but it's where you lean. Learn to lean, but it's where you lean on God. Um, Linda, for you, now that you are uh, writing this book with your mother, tell us what you're involved in. You're a multi-talented, successful entrepreneur. You are musical. You're uh, a successful businesswoman who started more than one company. Kind of fill us in on the end of the story of the beautiful way you were raised and what you're doing now. You know, I never really thought of myself as an entrepreneur, but um, I think it was uh, uh, in our in our most urgent times, you know, you find out what you're really made of. Um, I had gone to San Francisco and relocated, um, you know, as they say, if it's too hot, the heat's too hot in the kitchen, get out of it. I left LA and went up to the Bay Area and I needed money. And I'm like, what do I know a lot about? And I I knew a lot about dogs, had <laughs> shown dogs. And so I thought, well, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with that knowledge. But I sat and looked through the newspaper when the newspaper was still uh, distributed. And I looked in the dog section and, and I started looking to see, you know what, I could sell dogs. And pretty soon, dial a dog, get the dog you want for Christmas and have Santa deliver him was my business. Uh, I, and, you know, that got me through, um, you know, a few months and got me enough money till I started Fiscal Fitness, which I sold. And it's a very successful company. Um, and I think that when I when I really eased into that idea that, Entrepreneurship is full-time. You don't take, even if you have a vacation, you don't take time off. Um, and it allowed me the freedom to not be um, dependent on a company, but dependent on what I could do. Mm -hmm. And what if, if I could do something, what would I do? And that would be to serve, to serve people, to, you know, so sales has always been a Sales has always been what I do in my career, but people love to buy from people they know, like, and trust. And so um, putting that first and understanding how important that is, um, I developed a, a number of courses that I teach to this day now. And I, I teach the, the, not just entrepreneurial, but how not to sell, how not to, how to be of service to people that, you know, it, it isn't what you buy that people, it, it isn't what you sell that people buy, it's what they want. So I now teach how to connect 
what people want with what you deliver, but said in a way that they've never heard it before. And, and that's a, a, that is something that translates very, very well to an entrepreneur when they understand they've got a product or a service and they don't know how to position it. You know, if you have to spend three, four minutes explaining what it is that you do and what your product or service is, you've lost your audience. So um, I really teach uh, the understanding of what it is that people want with what you deliver. So I could say that uh, uh, if I don't care where you would plant me, I would be able to come up with something, some business that somebody needs something for, and I could deliver that. And I would not have had that um, in my nature if I had seen it and exemplified in my own home by my mom. And you know, Linda, you shared with me uh, as we talked earlier a few of your tips, and I will say to the audience that the way you present things is a little different. Sales 101 is Sales 101, but not with Linda Kay. If people are interested in knowing more about that, how can they contact you? Uh, well, I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me on my profile there, Linda Kay Today. is how I um, position myself. So lindakaytoday.com or LinkedIn or Facebook, uh, but you'll find me there. You're out there, as is the book. And I want to go back to that. One of the other things that you said in the book, uh, in a roundabout way anyway, is stop whining, start moving. You can always do something. Back to entrepreneurialism, isn't that the truth? You bet. Stop whining. That doesn't get us anywhere. Just do something, even if it's one new email. <laughs> Prospect, right. one thing at a time. Right. We, we laugh, we're both laughing about this because we say this all the time. Stop whining, get up and get a life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you certainly, both of you, uh, have done that. I, I want to say again, the book was fascinating. It was just like I was in the trailer, right, Lorraine, where you were traveling from North Dakota, where you lived and decided, okay, I want to get out of this cold weather and move to California. And it was like the way it's written. I'm, I'm an author too, so I mean this. It's written in a way that you're just right there. You're just right there. And so I know it's a book that people will want to read and need to read. I just would like to end by asking both of you, and I'll start with you, Lorraine, What's one message that you would like to leave with our audience? One message that you would like to leave with our audience? Be strong, be brave, go forward, dare, but keep your eyes on the Lord because this is what will carry you through. And at 90 years old, with that beautiful smile and positive attitude, there's no doubt that's what's brought you through. What about you, Linda? Um, I like to quote my mom. Um, I may have lost my sight, but not my vision. That's beautiful. Can I steal that? <laughs> you two are, are beautiful. And for those who are moms and have daughters, what a blessing that you're so close. And Linda, that you and your mom wrote this great book. 
which is available, of course, on Amazon. So I just want to thank you so much for being on the show and and uh, encourage the listeners to pick it up. You'll find it just encouraging, just encouraging. Someone that's I have one more thing to add to that. You bet. Um, if you uh, if you go to miraclesonmydoorstep.com, mm-hmm. you can buy it a little bit cheaper, but we have a bonus there because we curated a playlist. So there is a playlist that uh, goes that a song that goes with each of the chapters. So um, oh. make sure you uh, make sure you click on that and get your free playlist and buy that book or that download. That's in, a- that, in that playlist shows are one of the songs that I wrote. Uh, thank you, Jesus. That's in the playlist. That's a beautiful gift. Thank you so much for doing that. And wish you all of God's blessings continue, Lorraine, till you're 190. (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. Uh, I would would like to, in one thought, I would like to have you all learn to say thank you in Ukrainian. Spasiba. Spasiba. Spa, like S-P-A. Spa. S-I-B-A. Spasiba. Spasiba. And what is that? And what does that mean? Thank you. Pasiba. Got it. Well, all right. Well, I just learned something. You're a blessing. (laughs) Thank you both. And I want you to stay tuned and uh, listen to something that I call Valerieism. And my Valerieism for today is um, when you've grown it, you own it. When you've grown it, You own it. What do I mean by that? Well, if you raise your children as you have raised yours, and you teach them the values and the things that will keep them strong through whatever, that will go with them the rest of their lives. You've grown it into them. They'll own it. When you're in business, if you grow your clients, through a trust relationship, and you stay authentic. They know the person that they're dealing with is coming from the same place every day, not up and down. And let's face it, sometimes salespeople can be salesy. That doesn't work. What you grow, you own. So one more thing. When you've grown relationships... Even way back, I'm just going to say from experience, never let them go. Once you grow something, you just keep tilling the soil because it's got lots of riches in it. And that's my Valerieism for today. Until next time. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.